Welcome to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are Maury Haber, the Chief Technology Officer and Chief Information Security Officer at Beyond Trust. Maury, welcome to the discussion. Hi, it's a pleasure to speak with you. My guest also is Frank Bergoglio, the Global Public Sector Strategist for SailPoint. Frank, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Look forward to it. Let me set a little context for our discussion. When it comes to cybersecurity, the perimeter is dead. There, guys, I said it. I put it out there. The perimeter is everywhere your employee is. It's their smartphone. It's their tablet computer. It's in the cloud. And now it's in your employee's house. In fact, the Office of Management Budget said in 2019, as they rewrote the identity management policy, it has an entire section focused on moving beyond the perimeter for security. It says agencies must shift away from simply managing access inside and outside of the perimeter to using identity as an underpinning for managing risk posed by attempts to access federal resources made by users and information systems. To ignite adoption of this new mindset around identity, credential, and access management capability deployment across the federal government, each agency must harmonize its enterprise-wide approach to governance, architecture, and acquisition. Now, the policy continues to expand into each of these areas, calling for things such as agencies need to have a single standard identity and access management policy. They must use a risk-based approach to decide how to apply that ICAM, and they must use commercially available and open standards. While the policy laid the foundation, the coronavirus pandemic is serving as the aha moment to illuminate why identity and access management is so important. While the attack service is increasing due to remote workers and the expansion of digital services, agencies must consider elements of moving toward a zero trust architecture, like their ICAM, like access standards based on trust algorithms, like automated policy decisions, and of course, the use of continuous monitoring. So how can agencies bring all these concepts together to better protect data and systems? Well, that's where our guests come in. Once again, my guests are Maury Haber, the Chief Technology Officer and Chief Information Security Officer at Beyond Trust, and Frank Bergoglio, the Global Public Sector Strategist for SailPoint. All right, I put it out there, identity is the new perimeter, we know that, but there's more to it than just saying it's the new perimeter, it's understanding what that actually means and why it matters. So let me go to Frank to start with, what are you guys seeing, what are you hearing from customers when it comes to this idea of identity is the new perimeter? Yeah, it, it's, thanks Jason, it, it's very interesting. What we're seeing is, you know, with the DHS CDM program, um, agencies now have visibility that they've never had before into the identity. Um, building the master user record that has information um, about clearances, learning management status, uh, credentialing, you know, all of those things. And then tying in the privileged entitlements they have, just that alone is, is kind of groundbreaking. And, and a lot of agencies have not had that visibility in the past. So that really is giving them the foundation to get to this next level and be, I will say, more prepared for what we're experiencing now with, with remote telework in our, in our pandemic environment. Um, so it's setting up the environment, um, it's setting up the ecosystem for agencies to succeed. Now it's time to execute, right? And operate, operationalizing the identity um, becomes critical and point, critically important. And we're seeing this, you know, at, at a pace you'd, you'd probably um, expect, and there's some agencies that are much more secure and some um, and mature at doing this, and some that are still, you know, working their way through. Um, so it's it's going to be an ongoing process, um, but we're definitely seeing the focus, and that makes me happy seeing that that identity is being considered now as one of the stronger pillars to meet um, the zero trust model. 
I had a conversation recently with a, a, a Fed and, and we were talking a little about zero trust and the concept of it. And he looked at me and said, yeah, it's just identity and access management. Like all these years that we've talked about this and now everyone's like, we've got to get to zero trust. Like, oh, you mean like the back end attribute exchange? Oh, roles and responsibilities. So, <clears throat> so is that why I think that this identity pieces, people are kind of realizing it's just been building up over time? Yeah, absolutely. The identity, you know, this whole thing and to go on those comments, really, you know, the amount of metadata we're gathering about the identity now in the Fed Civ agencies and DOD is approaching this as well. Um, we can then start building context um, and context can be viewed not only, you know, from a what someone is doing with their access, but really should they have access go back to that suitability process, right? Um, do we have all the checks and balances met that for a privileged user or even a user of a high valued system and we need to separate those right there's privileged users and then there's users that have the keys to the kingdom um, and they're not always the same so that context that we're building with identity as the underpinning uh, i think is is really what that conversation probably led to right and that's the realization that agencies are, are having now that identity is critically important um, and they can start using it in operational efficiencies. Let me bring more into the conversation here. What are you, you have the double title of CTO, so you have to look forward to see what technologies are happening, but then you also have the title of CISO and, th and then with that title, you gotta worry about what's happening on your network today. So talk mm -hmm. a little bit about when Beyond Trust talks to your customers and what's the kind of conversations you're having Let's start with the CISO folks about identity and, and access management, and then we'll ask you about your CTO conversations too. So as the CISO, I'm responsible for my own internal security and my cloud security. And to complement what Frank has said is you really have to start with the identity. And this is a concept that people tend to get wrong. We're not talking accounts because you have that one-to-many relationship of multiple accounts to an identity. So don't think that any of these initiatives are account-driven. Think of the human persona, that carbon-based life form, or that machine identity that is out there doing some form of automation. You have to then map that to all of the accounts and then decide on the privileges, the access, the roles, the personas that then link it together. So as a CISO, one of the hardest things that I have and my peers have is actually building that map, understanding all of the places that you have an account that you may have access to it, even if it's shared, which is not a good security best practice, or you're the owner of the account and the privileges assigned to it. One of the best things that you can do and one thing that we strive for, at least internally, is to limit the number of accounts. Only provide one. Use technology like Active Directory Bridging or Cloud-Based Federation of Identity Management so that when you have to report on an identity's access, you're minimizing the amount of account relationships and potential aliases to get a coherent perspective of what's really going on. The account piece I think is fascinating because I think so much of this has been based on the active directory model. Okay, mm -hmm. we have to set up an active directory and then we have to say, okay, well, Maury has an account, oh, but Maury also has this other account. Oh, then, then there's this email. Is that why initially things are so driven toward this idea of account versus person or machine? That account model being AD based is incredibly Windows centric and we don't live in a Windows world, even though it is the dominant operating system. We have to deal with Linux, IoT, DevOps, automation, Macs, a wide variety of systems. And that account can be a username, it could be obfuscated with some type of reference ID, 
or it even can be your email address. Think about how many places that you log in with actually your email address identifying you as your account. So AD, great technology. It's starting to show its age. Now has to be rethought of in terms of a better identity management model or a tool set that allows you to manage identities because of what we've already put in place and think of it at a top level or a higher level versus just the account, especially for privileges. Maury, also talk from a, no, a chief technology officer's hat, you know, switch your hats there and walk me through a little bit when you have the conversations with agency CTOs and others as you're looking in the, the broader community, is, is, how are people talking about identity and identity management, you know, whether today or, or five years from now? So as a security basic, when we have conversations, I always ask the 101 type question, your security 101 question. Do you have an inventory? And they always think asset. I know where my laptop is. I know where this server is. I know what this application is. And I stop them. And I ask, do you know your inventory of identities, accounts, users, automated and interactive? And a lot of the times the discussion becomes, no, I don't. So you need a good discovery mechanism if you can do it automated or a good process to actually do that. As surprising as it sounds, HR and even your expense systems have great inventories of what people are purchasing, what you know, uh, expense reports they may have to at least get you to that top level of what that identity is. And then you can use other tools to drill down to all the accounts and associated pieces. But you got to start with security basics. If anybody is out you know, listening and knows that you got to inventory first, make sure your identity accounts and their access are inventoried as well. It's always interesting when, when someone points out the obvious, like you just did, oh, like your HR, everyone knows who's been hired, everyone knows who's submitting an expense report or getting paid in some way. And that, that's a great place to start. But so many times, I think technologists, and I'll blame you for a second, we all, you all <laughs> wanna start somewhere else. You, you don't think to go to the HR folks. So let me, let me bring uh, Frank back into the conversation for a second. Uh, Frank, when it comes down to kind of that, that where Maury's saying that, that starting with understanding the users and who's on, how do you do that? Walk me through maybe a little bit about this, this idea of, of setting up the governance model. Right, right, yeah. So, you know, just do, we can take the, the CDM use case really for what we've done for the agencies over the past couple of years. And it was all about connecting to the right authoritative data to understand who's on the network. Um, are they certified to be on the network? Do they have the correct background investigation? Things like that. So connecting to the authoritative data and then being able to centralize that information, have that visibility um, enables us to, to then see who has access to what, how they got it, and most importantly, should they still have it? Um, and, and I think that's where the stage is. I think that's where a lot of the agencies are at today is they're starting to take that identity inventory um, and they're starting to recognize that they may not have all their communities of users um, considered, especially when, you, you know, um, postal has remote postal workers, right, that may not have a PIV card to walk into a building. But there's still identities that potentially get on the network. A lot of agencies have this same scenario. So, you know, it, it's not just tying back to a single source to define your identities. It really is all your sources. And as we get into the federated model, it gets even more challenging because um, it may not be an authoritative source that we're necessarily looking at. It may be a relationship that we're looking at um, to let folks through the door. 
you bring up the CDM program, I think one of the really big success stories across government. And one of the things, the first things they had to do is figure out the, the who's on your network and then they know what's on your network. Do you get a sense that this, that's, if you look back in time, we can go back to 2005 and the HSPD-12 policy. You know, now I'm bringing you back good old memories of the good old days, Frank, I know. But, uh, it's, but it wasn't really until CDM, that agencies, and, and really the post-OPM breach, which is a whole different discussion, that got that identity management thing going. Uh, do you think that's why we're now talking about things like zero trust today, because of the, of the foundation that CDM and other things brought? Yeah, it, it's definitely enabled it. You know, I've been in doing identity in federal for 20 something years now. So I've seen a lot of permutations and um, attempts. And when we go back to HSPD 12, you know, HSPD 12 was a great thing and a really bad thing because what it did was it put, um, you know, a, a lot of stress on organizations to deploy a smart card, um, integrate it with Active Directory, and then what about all the other applications? Maury mentioned um, AD bridging, and there were, there's still a lot of applications that don't directly support a smart card. Um, so that led to disparate provisioning methods. It led to disparate access control methods. And it was really hard to focus a strategy. In comes the FICAM roadmaps of 2009, 2010 timeframe that tried to provide the guidance for lifecycle management, credential management, access management. Um, but it's still, there were still all those challenges um, that were, you know, underpinned by Active Directory and the smart card. And I think what you're seeing today is um, this move to the cloud um, plus the CDM data plus, you know, this, this um, environment we're now in with enabling telework and IT modernization transformation. Um, it's the perfect storm for the federal government. Uh, and we're seeing a huge uptick in the last two years where, like I mentioned earlier, agencies start, are finally starting to take identity seriously again, and not just from the perspective of the smart card. Um, they're realizing that the access management methodologies um, are different for different classes of users. Um, they're realizing that they need the automation, the efficiencies to reduce the footprint um, of, you know, overexposed accounts and entitlement creep and things that were hard before. They have the platforms now to do this. And it really is the time to, you know, take advantage of, of what they've done over the past couple of years with CDM um, through asset discovery, through the identity um, and the master user record and tie those together and really start building that governance model, right? We also have new compliance frameworks, new privacy frameworks that we need to fit in and all those need to talk to each other and, and be considered. All right, that's a great place to take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue this conversation and you're gonna tell us how, how they can do that. Not just tell it, not to say we, they need to do it, but tell us how. You're listening to the discussion, Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. Almost every cybersecurity breach today involves the exploitation of privileges. Beyond Trust, the worldwide leader in privileged access management, empowers agencies to secure and manage their entire universe of privileges. With Beyond Trust, agencies can secure and protect privileges across passwords, endpoints, and sessions, giving agencies the visibility and control they need to reduce risk, achieve compliance, and boost operational performance. To learn more, visit beyondtrust.com public sector. 
SailPoint, the leader in identity management, delivers an innovative approach to securing access across the enterprise with the SailPoint Predictive Identity Platform. The platform is designed to securely accelerate mission objectives, delivering adaptive security and continuous compliance. SailPoint provides a comprehensive view of access to all resources across multi-cloud infrastructures and helps you make faster, more informed access decisions, detect potential risks, and easily enforce access policies for all users. Visit SailPoint.com Fed to see how we can help your agency. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Maury Haber, the Chief Technology Officer and Chief Information Security Officer at Beyond Trust, and Frank Bergulio, the Chief, the Global Public Sector Strategist for SailPoint. Now, in the last segment, we heard Frank talk a little bit about the time to operationalize. We put all the, the pieces and parts in place. Now, Frank, you kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. I'm just going to be honest here. When you said, uh, you know, HSPD 12 was good and maybe more bad than good in some ways. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be okay. Don't worry. But let me ask Maury to jump in here and talk a little bit about this operational piece since you get that job probably every day. How do you move from, okay, we have all these foundational pieces to really making identity work for your organization or for an agency? Well, let's just start with the basic concepts that Frank and I have been talking about. Let's just say you've got the human aspect down. However you've inventoried it, however you've used authoritative and unauthoritative sources, and you get that under control. That's pretty much well-documented and a standard practice. It's the non-machine pieces that can get you, uh, you know, going to where you need to be, but it's the machine and automation that tends to cause people the biggest stumbling block. My background started with Skivvy and ACAS and doing vulnerability assessment scans across federal networks. And what we would request all the time was for a domain account to do a credentialed vulnerability scan. That was an account that had admin access across the board to everything. And in this day and age, that's how lateral movement works. You would never do anything like that, let us alone give any owner of that account permissions to use it, whether it's an application or not. So you have to step back and think about when you're doing this identity management and the privileges an account has, you have to then consider zero trust. Each asset that you're connecting to should be unique, have a unique set of credentials to do something like a credentialed scan or patch management or something else where there's no agent. But also in the context of just in time, you do not have to have these identities and their associated accounts present all the time. They should be available when change control or assigned to, and then removed operationally or disabled when they're not. That's really critical for automation because if they're on all the time, 168 hours a week, then a threat actor can basically use automation or other machines to compromise the federal network system or state and local government. And that's not good because they're not being monitored typically the same way. So understanding how to get the human element, it's great. It's something we can operate, rationalize, but all of the automation and service accounts and everything else beyond the scenes really takes some understanding and planning and ensuring that the accounts associated with those owners do not have global access across the board. That's a really high risk. More at Sam, a little surprised uh, again here because you said it's not usually I hear it's the people that are the problems, not the technology. You seem to be saying a little bit opposite here is that the machine and automation can be a stumbling block. Maybe going that a little deeper because you need to set it up in such a way you have to know what you have, who's on the network, what roles and responsibilities they have. There's so much data that has to get input that a lot of times agencies just don't have that data to make the automation and make the, the machines work well. Is, is that what you, you know, that's the, your basic premise? Sort of. 
think of it this way. The threat actor is targeting a human. Once they gain access to the human's account, they want to escalate privileges. Now, if you're doing good identity and account management, especially around privileges, that user only has a finite set of systems they can hit. That's it. However, if they can scrape memory for malware, keystroke log, or any of the advanced attack techniques, they're going to look for accounts that have global or more than one system access. That's how they're going to get lateral movement. They're going to use those vulnerability accounts. They're going to use those malware service accounts. They're going to use other types of credentials and even tokens or certificates that are present that give them a more broader access into the environment. That's a part of identity management too. Who is the owner of those machine identities. So yes, the threat actor might be coming in through the person first. And if you've already done a great job limiting and controlling that identity management, their next goal is going to be finding out what's operating under the hood to go attack something else. Frank, talk a little bit about this idea of operationalization too. From your perspective, we're seeing a big move for around software-defined perimeters or software-defined networking. We're seeing, a, obviously, a lot of talk about zero trust. Uh, what are some of the things that you're seeing agencies do to start to operationalize this idea of, of really identity and access management? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's about frictionless access, right? And, and that's really where we need to get to in this in this modern security architecture, let's call it. And that frictionless access, there's a lot of touch points there, whether it's, you know, day one provisioning. We now have context about a user, um, about a new employee or new contractor that we can at least grant them some day one access based on least privilege to, to be effective when they first sit in the chair. Um, but as as that person matures in the organization, then we, you know, have things like access request processes that have approvals where necessary. We're still in a very highly regulated, you know, government industry where we need to account for who has access to what and auditors want to know when, where, why, and how um, that access was obtained. So there's that whole governance process that needs to be there, um, but we need to, we need to keep it easy. Um, you know, Maury mentioned just-in-time access, and and that is absolutely required. Um, but there's a balance between what we can grant on day one, what's just-in-time, um, and and what is a call it an interrogated request that requires the approvals and different policy checks and things like that. Um, so we we're seeing agencies get to that maturity level. Um, it's, it's been really a, you know, some are, are obviously much more advanced in their request processes, trying to reduce that burden on the help desk. Um, you know, uh, we have agencies that are integrating with their ITSM to really have one single spot to request access from. Um, so it's, it's, to me, operationalizing the identity is really about using the data we have and enabling frictionless access. And, and like I said, that could be in a various different uh, components. Something that came up several times during our conversation is this idea of privileged users. And I think one of the biggest challenges we've seen among agencies is reducing that pure administration, administrative rights that privileged users have. And I think Maury brought this up as the just-in-time piece. Frank, you just brought this up as well to say you can have access for a short amount of time and then your access is cut off when you don't really need it anymore to the next time. But there's also that the balance you have to strike because if you're a privileged user, there's a reason why you're a privileged user to fix things, to make sure your networks are 
or humming. How, how do you achieve that balance? I know Frank or Maury, which one of you want to jump into that lake? Sure, I'll, I'll take a first stab at it. When we say privileged user, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're given administrative or root rights. There are triggers and methods, techniques, for granting privileged access to things where you actually don't know those credentials or you don't have a certificate. And those techniques are really important in the concepts of just-in-time because you can elevate the application, like using a run as, where you yourself are not elevated. But it's even better not to do that, to elevate the application by using it uh, with, you know, by tokenization, by actually elevating it within the operating system so that its credentials running elevated are local only and can't be used against anything else through the network. So the concepts of just-in-time are not just, hey, I'm gonna give you an account now, or I'm gonna enable an account now. There are many techniques to get there, and once you say, I'm gonna use it for just this runtime and then terminate it afterwards, those privileges for that application are truly gone. And this is even true for working from home or wherever you may be. You might need to connect to a new home printer or you've had to change your Wi-Fi network. How are you getting that remote support to change that? How are you getting local admin rights? That could be quite painful for many organizations to support all the help desk calls and everything else. And there are techniques that you can use and applications that you can use to grant distinct just-in-time administrative rights to functions and tasks that you approve of so that the end user can do their job. And ultimately, if you're going to say, yes, this person works from home, they are allowed to add a printer, they're allowed to change their system clock, they're allowed to run an updater, you then place that properly in an identity governance solution as a role, this user has permissions to do this at home, and then you've actually taken the role delegation of the identity to the user account down to the asset with all the attributes needed for them to do their job unrestricted. And operationally, that's really important. Yeah, absolutely, Maury. Um, you nailed it. It's interesting when you talk about uh, printing. It's, 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 I hear from so many CIOs these days how, yeah, we figured out how to do these, this thing called a digital signature. And, and it always kind of makes me laugh a little bit because it's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's not really that new. What, what are the things when we're talking about the privileged users as well is, is, is there a definition that we need to kind of get to to say who really is a privileged user? And is that definition different for every agency or is there some sort of kind of floor we can start at? It's actually a very difficult problem. In the commercial world, a privileged user is generally a power user or admin or root. In my experience with, with federal government, a privileged user is any user that has access, period. So this is even a guest user has privileges of guest. So when talking to vendors or uh, the colleagues, make sure you define at loosely what you consider privileged. It's anybody that has access or if it's administrative or root. In the conversation that we're having here, we're talking about any user that has access that could cause harm, a denial of service, a breakage, an outage, or an embarrassment, or steal data. So you have privilege to do something bad. And that's not only as an insider threat, but also as an external threat. Gentlemen, uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. This has been a great conversation. Time flew by because we really learned a lot. So let me thank my guests. Maury Haber is the Chief Technology Officer and Chief Information Security Officer at Beyond Trust. Maury, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for having me. And Frank Bergoglio is the Global Public Sector Strategist for SailPoint. Frank, thank you for taking the time as well. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. 
I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.